Hi everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Level Play Sports Podcast, your source for everything related to athlete brand management. My name is Dave Kalen, and I will be your host for today's episode. Where today we are going to focus on esports, formerly known as just video games. Now it's big business with major sponsors holding major tournaments at major arenas with major prize money. Yeah, the esports industry has grown exponentially over the past few years, and it's expected to reach revenues of one and a half billion dollars just in the next year or two, which by the way, is more than NASCAR and more than Major League Soccer. And much like traditional sports, esports allows players to rise through the ranks, develop a career, and get the opportunity to be recognized on a local, regional, national, or global scale based on their skill level for playing a particular game. So, with all this momentum going, how do athletes get started in esports, how do they move up the ranks, and how do they cultivate their brand? Well, to answer those questions, our guests today are Chris Davis and Matt Giambetti, co-founders of Electric City Esports, a marketing and consulting agency that specializes in cultivating the esports community from creating teams at the local level to sponsoring tournaments and individual esports athlete branding as well. So welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you for having us, Dave. Nice to be here. Yeah, very nice to be here. Thank you. So I guess the first obligatory question is, you know, what is esports and specifically the state of esports in 2021? So many people just think that athletes are, you know, somebody hitting a ball with a stick or standing out in a field waiting for a ball to come to them. And we all know that esports is not that. So um, please just fill uh, fill our viewers in and then we can just move on to more interesting stuff. Sure. Absolutely. So esports at its core and a very simplistic definition is just defined as electronic sports. So it is officially just the competitive level of playing video games. So instead of what people kind of think about video games, where you're sitting in your mom's basement for days on end, you know, not showering and just playing Call of Duty or whatever the game is, there's now that competitive aspect that allows video game players, you know, of various skill sets to take their passion for whatever video game it might be and now take it as a professional endeavor to play on an esports team or just be a very good video game player in general. Uh, and there's just tremendous amounts of opportunity uh, for video game players today in 2021. And to uh, piggyback off of that, the, the current state of esports is just through the roof right now in terms of there's no restrictions on it. it there's no foreseeable decline in it. And, and every day, if you will, more and more people, whether that be video game players or, or brands or nonprofits, everybody's just getting on the bandwagon right now. And it's really awesome to see that, especially for us, uh, that people continue to want to be involved. Yeah, I guess everybody has seen that uh, article about the person, you know, about the the athlete winning $3 million playing Fortnite. And uh, obviously it goes way beyond that. I'm sure that that has spurred a lot of interest from people outside the esports community. It's actually surprising that that is the, probably the most, one of the most recognizable prize pools out there. But, uh, you know, the other day I was looking up 
2020 prize pools and you know you have games like dota 2 where they had their international and it was a 20 million dollar prize pool uh, or upwards of that you know um collectively of course but there's just endless amounts of with with each individual game there's endless amounts of room to grow for the entire industry well now there are many different types of games there's the first person shooters and then there's the what are the role-playing games and then the sports games which ones are the most popular today and which ones have kind of grown and faded over time. So I'll definitely turn this over to Matt because he's a little bit more into this stuff, if you will, but it's growing uh, to your point there. So what, if you will, 10 or 15 years ago was considered the esports title with the introduction of more and more games. There's now opportunities for people that do enjoy uh, first person shooters versus MOBAs versus um, our RPGs aren't as much of, in, into the world of, of these sports, but the sports titles, as you were saying, the traditional sports games. Um, so it's awesome. But, you know, I'll let Matt kind of touch on that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, from when I was younger, the first person shooters have always remained kind of constant. You know, it started back in the day with uh, Unreal Tournament. I used to play that with my dad. Counter-Strike has always been a pretty much a staple. You know, now, let, me, uh, with- let me clarify. Back in the day was... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> was what year? I'm 30. I'm 32. So back in the 90s. So back in, uh, yeah, late 90s, early, early 2000s. So still still dial up days. Yeah. Still. Yes. Yes. Uh, The dial up days. My mom would pick up the phone and disconnect me from the Internet and I would (laughs) I would just start screaming. But yeah, I mean, the first person shooters have always been there. They've always had that competitive edge because you always had to be quick on your feet. You had to have good aim. You know, and they've they've grown since they've gotten a lot more competitive sense than they've thrown a new twist. So those have always remained a staple. I think to your uh, your other question of what one's kind of declined, I'd, I'd say the real time strategies kind of declined over time. Uh, you had Starcraft 2, Warcraft 3, both made by Blizzard. Um, Starcraft 2 is still very competitive. I think they're still seen for it. Um, but you don't hear about it as much anymore. And then, of course, there's the big League of Legends. Yeah, it's huge. League of Legends. Yeah, League of Legends took off almost instantly. It was kind of crazy. I mean, I played it when it first released. I've fallen off since, but you know, you have that, and they came out with Dota Two, which is released by Steam, and it's another MOBA, just as popular. And like I said earlier, that's you know, the Dota Two International has had. Some- just to clarify, MO- uh, MOBA, uh, multi multiplayer online battle arena. Oh, okay. And then, um, and then there's also uh, uh, Magic: The Gathering, which uh, it has some big tournaments too. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Magic the Gathering has uh, when they they first released a virtual version of it uh, a couple of years back. And I don't think it took off as as much, um, but they've just released uh, Magic the Gathering arenas, which is taken off quite more, especially now with uh, the state of the world with the pandemic. It was a lot more accessible, easier to do tournaments online with their online platform than it was in person. Um, and then on top of that, you also have Blizzard's version, which is Hearthstone, um, which is also a wildly popular online trading card game. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's quite a quite an extensive uh, esports world. Let's move on to what you do at Electric City and what what do you do to to move this along? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, Electric City Esports, we classify ourselves as a marketing and consulting uh, esports agency. And we've kind of found our way into the world of esports, if that makes sense. We've been trying to find our place where we can best serve pushing esports forward here in our operating area, which is northeastern Pennsylvania. So we do three primary things. We have, and I'll just say them and I can briefly break them down. We do three pillars of business primarily right now, which are esports consultation, esports events, and then what we what we call video game streamer marketing. And those three things, just put simply, esports consultation is our endeavor to assist schools, whether that be a K through 12 or a college or university, to help them put in an esports team or program. Uh, for the esports events, just pretty much as it sounds, we help run as Electric City Esports, we put on esports events or tournaments. And futuristically, we hope to be able to help third parties put on their own tournaments and assist them to do that so they can kind of get their own taste and be a part of this community here. And then finally, the video game streamer marketing has taken many different iterations since we've been in business, but our next model that we'll be getting into, which is not done just yet, but it'll be essentially helping those video game players that say, hey, I would love to get into video game streaming, but you know, I, I have questions or I am a streamer already, but I still have questions and being able to afford them essentially kind of like an ebook to say, hey, here's best practices for branding and being a video game streamer, or here's best practices for social media and being a video game streamer, so on and so forth. So we're kind of we have our hands in a couple of different things, but we are really just trying to be as educational as possible when we speak to people because we realize that a lot of people still have a lot of stigmas and so forth. So the more that we can help break down those barriers and have open communications and conversations with people, um, we uh, have seen a lot of uh, benefit from doing that. And we're excited for where we're at this year. Well, that's interesting because, you know, you can, there are a lot of streamers out there that aren't necessarily athletes, the people who are very good at a game and they can set up a, a channel on Twitch, YouTube, wherever, and, and be a streamer, but aren't necessarily athletes or, or, or at the elite athlete level, so to speak. Right. Do you support the streamers as well as the athletes and how would you do them differently? So we kind of definitely welcome one and everybody that definitely wants to be a part of just in general, the esports community. Um, and we, Thus far, everybody has been more so that video game player slash streamer side of things. We've had conversations with people that are definitely like, you know, I want to be an esports athlete one day and just haven't been able to have fruit fruitful conversations, just never was able to move those forward. But we, with these video game guidebooks futuristically, it's definitely more of a general approach that it's best practice regardless of, you know, if you're just a video game player and you're saying, hey, I'd love to make some side income with being a streamer. That's great. But also from the, the athlete side of things, you can still use these, if you will, best practices to build your, your platform and your brand to have those building blocks. So that way, the more you play, the more you compete, the more recognition you're ultimately going to have as an esports athlete. Yeah. Uh, to kind of go off what Chris was saying, they're, they're one and the same, but they're also separate, hmm. right? So when you're on stream, you're showcasing what you're capable of doing. It's almost like forming a an online documentation, an online resume for yourself. So if you are looking to go into a, a professional esports team or an amateur team, and you're trying to figure out how to do that, you know, we're going to tailor a guidebook differently for that type of person where we say, this is, these are the steps you should take. These are the approaches you should take. This is what you should be on the look for. You know, this tournament, uh, this person, this is who you should reach out to type of thing. Um, whereas if you're just trying to get your stream going and you're not looking to be on that 
advanced esport level, but you just want to be an entertainer and you want to stream and you want to make money that way, well, then we take a different approach. And then it's more about, you know, more about branding and more about what kind of entertainment value can you bring to your stream? It, they kind of go hand in hand, but like I said, they, they're also separate depending on what your end goals are. Yeah, I guess in many ways, an esport athlete or entertainer has the potential of, of having a better brand than a traditional athlete. I mean, it's basically just a resume of just, you can only do so much on the field, whereas you can, basically you can record all of your play you're more, <laughs> when you're doing esports. traditional athletes, basically. you know, an esports athlete is more likely to interact with a fan or more likely to interact with the public because you're playing the games. Exactly. When you're going into a game, you're queuing into a lobby of random people, generally speaking you're interacting with them in a chat or if you're streaming you're interacting with the stream you know almost constantly um whereas a traditional athlete is you know only when he's off the field or if he's on social media and that's if he wants to be contacted i i feel there's a a separation there sometimes you kind of feel lucky when you get to talk to your favorite athlete at a baseball game you know when he stops stops comes over out of the dugout and <laughs> talks to you for a second you, it's a different moment but it's pretty regular that you get to go play with your favorite esports athlete you know as if you know they're streaming you know what game they're playing it's pretty easy to get into the game with them <laughs> well let's talk about the esports consultation you help set schools up with esports teams and programs and set up leagues themselves is that correct so the thing that we're primarily focusing on at this point is exactly what you said the teams and programs are what we're really passionate about right now in growing uh the league side of things is definitely something futuristically as a company we would like to have our own here again being in our operating area of northeastern pennsylvania it would be awesome to say hey you know, when you work with us, when we help you get your team slash program, you can also join our league here on the local level. So as a region, futuristically, we'll have, you know, 30, 40, 50 schools, whatever the number is, and you can compete locally here in NEPA, Northeastern Pennsylvania. You have the state leagues, you have the the national leagues that you can be a part of. So there's uh, lots of opportunities for, for schools to, to play. What level of school are we talking? Junior high, high school, college, uh, anything else? Or just a open league? Yeah, so we, in terms of the esports consultation itself, we're, we are happy to assist whether that be a K through 12 school or a college or university uh, for the league side of things. I think from a lot of what we've been seeing, the high schools are starting to get really curious about esports. And I think that would probably be a unique opportunity to have a high school uh, league here in the area. I mean, for the colleges in our area, we have, there's several that have the esports teams, but it's a lot less in terms of quantity, in terms of the number of universities slash colleges that we have here. Well, how many do you have? So in Pennsylvania, at a whole level here, we have about 13 schools, I believe, across the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that have varsity esports teams slash programs, whether that be a college or university. Uh, at the local level here of where we operate out of the, the Scranton area, I think there's four uh, in the area. There will be four as of this fall. So the, the numbers aren't huge, but it's still it, it's great to see that in 2021 there, that there are that many. Well, now that's interesting that you 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 bring it up the varsity and uh, the 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 esports. Now, what budget does this come out? Does does the athletic director 
of these universities uh, contribute to the budget to these teams and leagues, or is this run by a different uh, organization? It's not by the NCAA, right. is it? No. So, you, yeah, excellent question. So, the way that you can do esports, and that's one of the, the neat things about the industry right now, when you're doing it at a at a school level, is you can kind of implement it as you deem fit, if that makes sense. So, especially on the high school side of things, that's still a uncharted territory in, in our neck of the woods here of Northeastern Pennsylvania. So a lot of people are really cautious and apprehensive about saying, we're going to do a full-blown esports program here where our students can participate in leagues and, and so on and so forth. So you can do two models and, and we promote this with our, this side of our business. You can either do a club, which is it's, it's structured. You're coming there to better your ability at playing the game. And you have that communal of being with other like-minded individuals but you're not having that official competition because it is a club. You're not getting involved with the high school esports league and competing against other schools. So then on the flip side of that, you have the program where it's, you have the structure, you have the practices, your high school has an esports team. And then you do get involved with these leagues uh, where you're able to participate and have the league competition. Um, but to answer your question about the budgets and so forth, schools kind of just, if you will, almost they can have money set aside or they can be given uh, money through different grants and things of that nature to implement esports because a lot of um, what esports stands for ties into things like STEM and whatnot. So there's lots of financial backing that a school can receive to implement esports uh, because it's not it's not a huge a lot of money that you have to dump in initially. You can scale esports at your school, whether that be K through 12 or a college, and let it grow. You know, you don't have to say, okay, we have to dump. $250,000 right up front. It has to be this amount or we can't do it right. You know, you don't have to do that. And we're, that's one thing that we love promoting to schools. It's like, don't be afraid of the technology. It's not to deter you from being able to uh, participate and, and benefit. So that means that can a college team actually make money or for traditional athletes, the big thing now is these name image likeness cases that have gone through the court system. And now that traditional college athletes can make money while playing now. Is that even a problem at the esports level? Uh, no, actually. So for right now, um, the NCAA has actually passed on controlling and ruling over esports, kind of leaving it up in the air. There are some governing bodies, but for the most part, I think they mostly just run tournaments and leagues instead of advising students on what they can and cannot do from our understanding and from the people we've talked to the students actually uh, when they win a tournament at the college level they're able to take that money home with them colleges can dictate rules as they want you know it's still they're still under their guidance you know a local college for instance here if the students win they win the money it goes to their bursar account first to pay off any kind of school debts that they may have but past that, it goes right back into their pockets. Yeah. You can never escape student loan. No, debt. unfortunately. <laughs> Speaking of that, you also, at Electric City, you also set up esports events. Now, can you break down how you set up an event or tournament and what goes into uh, uh, starting anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So from our side of things, esports events and tournaments are very unique um, from the way that we approach it, because it's not just about you run the tournament, you have somebody that wins, 
you know, call it quits, good, good game. Everybody go on their merry way. We try and really take a more comprehensive uh, community aspect to things. But, you know, just to break it down for the audience, it's really, you know, you pick your video game, whatever that might be, Call of Duty, League of Legends, Fortnite, um, so on and so forth. You, you pick your game and you're ultimately going to pick the structure of the tournament. Uh, so, for example, we did a Call of Duty tournament uh, about three or four months ago. And within that game, the online competitive esports uh, type, the game type that you play is called Warzone, and that's a battle royale. So typically it's you you as an individual player are going up against X number of players to ultimately be the winner. Um, but from the way that we structured things, it was a duos-based tournament. So you and a buddy would drop into Warzone and play against all the other duos to try and win uh, and be the victor for um, that match. And we did it as a best out of three matches with your overall score and had some other little rules and so forth in there and some different tidbits to help them along the way or help them get a couple extra points. And we just ran it as such. Um, and we also utilized, and if your audience isn't aware of the platform Twitch to help stream this tournament. And it was really fun. You know, it was just like turning on the TV to watch a football game or something from our side of things being in the esports world where you tune in, you get to see, you know, X number of players playing or if your buddies in the tournament or whatever. And um, we had two what we refer to in the esports world, casters, just like a traditional uh, sports game. The, the the casters were making calls and commentary throughout and really just added to the overall experience where it's not just gameplay that you're hearing or having to just sit there and watch. There's a level of engagement uh, that you uh, that you get out of these events. And so you provide literally everything. You are, uh, was this live in front of an audience or was this? So with the, uh, the current, well, at the time, this was March, we're talking of this year with the state of the world at that time with COVID, we kind of oh. did like a hybrid tournament. So uh, to touch on, I guess, a little bit of the overall, what we do as a, with our esports events, we try and bring the community in as much as possible when we run these things. So being again, that we're in Northeastern Pennsylvania and, and pretty close to the Scranton area, we wanted local businesses to be a part of this as much as possible. So when I say hybrid, we were physically present at a venue location um, called Sky Zone in Pittston and one of the local towns up near us. And they allowed us to have a space there to broadcast our stream from. So we had the casters sitting in front of our gaming setup and they were able to pull in all the different players and pull their feeds during the tournament. Uh, but for all the any capacity of an audience or was a were they were all the players remote? all the players were remote yeah i mean like we, okay. we did have because it was a, a public business sky zone there were people in there to be at the trampoline park but they uh were broadcasting our tournament on the televisions in sky zone so we kind of had almost a live audience uh in one way and then of course everybody that was tuning in electronically from from home on their own computers have you or do you plan on having live events in say in a, an arena where everybody's at one place absolutely yeah i mean the the arena stuff is definitely something down the road that we would love to be big enough to to fill a space just like that we uh, are thankful and grateful that we have an opportunity that'll be presented to us or we're, we're a part of right now that we'll get to take part in later this year where we were approached by a local uh, blood center that they get blood and donate it to different hospitals and they said hey you know we'd love to do a tournament with you and we were all for that because we get to help other people out in the process and we are going to be running a dual uh, event so it'll be a blood drive slash esports tournament for colleges and so, oh, yeah, so we are very excited to, uh, to be a part of that. So that's the, to answer your question, that's the one big thing that we have coming up here in the near future. Oh, that's great. 
Now, I guess the final question is, what do you see for the the overall future of not only just in the you know the Pennsylvania area and not even even just the U.S. area, but do you think that your specifically your grasp can reach a global level? I, I definitely think that there op- the opportunity will be there just because esports is a twenty four seven and as you said global endeavor right now. So you know your name travels much further just because you know you type in video games or esports or streaming whatever the the search term is, you know, we can come up in in many different ways. So I I think that definitely we would love to have that community aspect futuristically that stretches around the globe. And uh, we're slowly making our way there. You know, we, we recognize that being that we're a small business here in Northeastern Pennsylvania, you start there and hopefully gravitate to the state level. And then maybe the tri-state area of of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, and, and uh, beyond that. So it's definitely possible from from my side of things. Well, that's great. Well, I think we're going to uh, wrap things up there, but very interesting, fascinating topic, something that I know that we'll probably be coming back with every every couple of months, and it'll be a completely different story. <laughs> so Matt and Chris from, uh, from Electric City Esports, thanks for uh, joining the uh, Level Play Sports podcast, and I uh, uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for having us, Dave. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. And that will bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Level Play Sports Podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank our guests Chris Davis and Matt Giambetti from Electric City Esports. That's electriccityesports.com, of course. And I hope you learned something along the way. As always, if you like what you heard today, then please subscribe and you'll be notified of future episodes. Also, feel free to leave something in the comments or send me a message directly. I can be reached at dave at levelplaysports.com. Of course, don't be a troll, but if you have anything that you'd like to discuss or have any ideas for future episodes, then I'd love to hear from you. Okay, well, that's it for now. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Level Play Sports podcast, where we will discuss athlete brand management in more detail. For the Level Play Sports podcast, I'm Dave Kalin. Have a good one. <laughs>